Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the Derailed Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Fred. And we thought today we'd go a little bit off track, haha. <laughs> um, and we were actually thought we would discuss a game that sort of won both our hearts called Mini Rails. Yes. Yeah. So Mini Rails is kind of like a distilled 18xx experience that plays yeah. in 30 minutes or so. It has the stock aspect. It has a little bit of a... Not tile laying, but kind of like a board as well. Uh, but very short, very quick to play, very fun to play as well. And I think clearly designed to be one of these stock train games yes. distilled down to its bare bones experience. Yes. Yeah. But before we talk about mini rails, yeah, I was thinking in the car on the way here okay. about our last game of 1889. Okay, the, th- the two-player game. The two-player game. Right. And I think I figured out something potentially obvious that mm-hmm. we both didn't discuss last time that I think would have won you the game. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was thinking about how we were talking about how you did, couldn't buy a diesel. Yes. And basically, we assumed that if you ever buy a diesel, I would have been dead, bankrupt right. immediately. And that was true. Yes. So what I thought was what you could have done was you could have taken one. You had two companies. Mm. So you could have sold all your permanents to the one company and forced an emergency train buy. Oh. Used your own funds to buy a diesel with an emergency buy, immediately bankrupt me and win the game. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yes. And I don't know why neither of us thought of that either during the game or after the game. Because yeah. on the way here... I was listening back to to that episode um, mm. and I was thinking about that gaming and I was like, but wait, you could have just forced yes. yourself into an emergency train bar because you had plenty of your own capital. I did. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, man, I totally could have done that. And obviously, because it was a two-player game, bankrupting me wouldn't have made it all any difference at all how much of your own money you spent. Yes, yeah. I could have $1 left. Yeah. yeah, and I would have had to sell off all my sh- yeah. shares, and yeah, I just it wouldn't have oh, man. worked out well for yeah, me. Yeah, definitely could have done that. Yeah, Damn. so I think you didn't think of it because you had all permanent trains. I think you might have even had four or three permanent trains. I think I had three between the two companies or something like that. Yes. Yeah, so you essentially would have had to bin one of them because the yeah. train limit was two. So you would have had to yeah. basically throw one <laughs> yeah. back into the bank pool. But that's fine. It is fine, actually, because I could have bought that one, but then the other three companies I would have had to buy diesels right, for, yeah. and I wouldn't have been able to afford it. Yeah. Oh, man. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. So I think that would have been a game winner. And I think that I was listening back to it, I was like, wow, we didn't think of that. Yeah. <laughs> Which was probably very obvious to a kind of veteran yes. player. Yeah. Yeah. Geez, like that's another thing to keep in mind for next time. Sure. Yeah, so I think if anything, perhaps it shows our, our own inexperience. Mm, yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. But it's funny how robust that system is. There's always something that you can do or some lever that you can pull. Yes, yeah. Yeah, you just have to think outside the box a bit and kind of think about what it is you need to achieve. And then if you can't do it the standard way, try and find another way to, to get to it. Yeah, because there's usually away yeah so i was laughing on the way yeah because i was listening to the episode we were kind of congratulating ourselves on how much we've evolved as players (laughs) and i was just thinking there's some experienced player out there listening to this he's just like oh my god yeah that's true you could have just forced the diesel (laughs) oh man because i think we always consider emergency train buys to be like 
something went wrong especially in a multiplayer game they are quite bad but yeah but i've also i've also heard people say that they factor it in as part of their strategy that they plan to do mm. at least one emergency train bar almost on purpose so i don't know there's yeah, a lot there's if a it lot hurts still to discover if it hurts the other players more than it hurts you then it's worth it still yeah wow. yeah essentially i mean in that game absolutely mm. uh, that game would have been there's no ways i could have bought the diesels i needed to well in a two-player game it's very obvious that it'll gain me well hurt you more than it hurts me in that situation but even in a in a multiplayer game like more people it's there can be situations where it's clearly benefits well well hurts you less than it hurts the other players so yeah yeah mm, interesting hmm. yeah so I just thought of that on the way here. I was like, ah, you could have, you could have piffed me with that. <laughs> yeah, man. Sure. If only I thought of that then. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah which that's true. Eh? Uh, but, and then I thought it wouldn't have actually made the game any less interesting, though. It wouldn't have made that play any less mm. um, exciting. No. Because it would have happened late in the game when we were just running out the bank anyway. Yeah. And it would have been quite a nice, yeah. quite, a, quite a fun finish. It like would a, have been, yeah. Boom, get roasted. Kind man, of wow. <laughs> yeah so i just thought i'd draw i thought i'd save that that little <laughs> brain spark i had for the podcast yeah drop that on you that's very good yeah huh. yeah so uh, i guess if anything it just shows that we still suck and, and that's okay <laughs> there's still lots to learn for still sure. lots to learn yeah yes. but i think that is the fun of these games is yeah. that you are constantly you have to i think we said it before but to enjoy these games you have to be the type of person who enjoys going oh man i totally screwed that up yes i can't wait to play again yeah exactly and i can't wait to play again for yes sure. yeah. well it kind of excites me because i've always thought you know you need to get a bunch of people together but for me i'm very excited to play more two-player games oh yeah me too i've been enjoying the two-player plays a lot yeah, yeah so it doesn't mm. feel like it's this inaccessible thing now like we have to find a bunch of people i'm like cool let's play another two-player game yeah definitely yeah not that it's that hard i mean we drag we drag simon into into our games anyway so yes which we might do tomorrow night yes yeah <laughs> i think we're gonna drag him in tomorrow night so we might play what is it 18 rhineland rhineland tomorrow night okay yeah from the same publisher as cologne mm-hmm. um but kind of uh considered to potentially be the best of the marflow games catalog okay is it same designer as well or? it's actually not the same designer so that guy publishes a lot of his own designs cologne is actually not his design right yes. um, but this is his design oh okay and it's been through a few refinements i think this is like a third mm. edition it started out as another game i think it was like 1838 rhineland and now it's just called 18 rhineland Okay. Some stuff's been revamped and workshopped and whatever over the years. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, but apparently very good. Similar map to Cologne, I think. It's got that river through the middle. Oh, right. With those oh, is that the one that you said has the east-west bonuses? Yes. Yeah, it's got oh. some kind of an east-west bonus and the Rheingold Express. I can't remember what that is. Uh, certain spots are randomly worth more that you set up at the beginning of the game. Okay. It's got some stuff going on. Apparently, it's quite good. So Interesting. Yeah, so that east-west, like controlling the river crossings might be important. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I think no merger in this one. So, yeah, we'll see. Okay, yeah. Hopefully, we will be able to talk about that next week. Yes. will will be interesting either way, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, Mini Rails. Um, yes. I guess, so Mini Rails is by a publisher called... I don't know how to pronounce this. Moa Ideas? Moe Ideas? I don't know. I'm not sure. It's M-O-A Ideas. So it's probably some... M-O-A. Moa. Word Moa. from another language Moa that I'm supposed ideas. to know. And I'm, yeah. 
embarrassing myself, but that's fine. It's actually a Taiwanese publisher mm-hmm. and they're based in Taiwan. Um, their games are not as hard to find though, as you might think. You basically have to order them from their website and they ship worldwide and at a pretty reasonable rate. I mean, I think just to ship all the way down here to South Africa was like $15 or something and it came via courier and it arrived quite quickly. So actually quite painless. Um, yeah. we, we kind of used to having to pay <laughs> to ship games over here anyway. So yes. I guess we kind of used to, but even if you're in the US or Europe or whatever, I think it's actually probably not that bad. Yeah, no, it should be, should be even cheaper there. Yeah, so basically, it's a pretty tiny box. Um, I'm trying to think of a game that has a similar size box. It's a square box, but small. It is square. Yeah, it's small. It's not very high. Um, It'll take up as much shelf space as like code names or something, right? But different yeah, shape. Yeah. yeah, yeah, different shape, but something like that. Yeah, but also a very nice insert in the box, actually. Yeah, and a very nice, very nice components actually. So yeah. it's basically this this pentag. Is it a six sided map? I think, I think it actually it's might hex. be six side or hex. Yeah, I think it's hex. Is it hex? Hexes. Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure. So it's, it's sort of similar to Catan, but it has that frame, and then you fill it up with hexes in the middle. Yeah, essentially. But the middle piece is actually aren't hexes. Are they like those weird? They look like spiders. Do they? Doesn't the middle piece look like that? I feel like I'm losing my I mind, can't right? remember. Yeah. But anyway, it, it's basically a frame that you fill up with. I think it's actually, must be hexes, I guess. Yeah. How else yeah, would it fit I'm not together? Sure. They might I have little puzzle piece cutouts on the hex or something. Yeah, something like that, yeah. right? But anyway, what, what's quite cool about it is that all these, so on each hex is there's several different little locations and they basically are one, two or three red or white dots. That's mm-hmm. pretty much what it looks like. The centerpiece is always the same. It has five dots in the very middle city. Yeah. So these are basically cities. Um, so there's five in the middle. And then, yeah, it's got a few locations around that as well. What's cool about this, though, is that the setup is very random and that all the tiles are double-sided. Mm. And they can all face any number of orientations. Yes, they so can you, all rotate, yeah. So you sort of just grab them out of the box and without really thinking about it, just throw them in and yeah. build the puzzle without planning anything in particular and yeah with the flipping them over with them being in random locations with them being turned around your map will essentially never look the same Mm. even the middle piece has two sides and it can be orientated in any number of directions yes so yeah pretty pretty much random in terms of the setup so how it works is it's got this interesting mechanism where you take actions that also dictate the turn order for the next game Mm -hmm. so there's a number of there's six different companies in the game that each have a different color little yes. wooden disc and those you'll line up on the board according to player count that's how many discs you'll pull out per round right and then each player has two pawns that you line up in a particular order at the beginning based on turn order and then what happens is you basically have two actions and you'll do both actions each round mm-hmm. so you will either buy stock in one of the companies or you will build track yes and to do that you take your pawn off the sort of turn order thing and you slide it into the place where the token is of the color that you want to. Of the color that you want, and you take that token. Yes. So either you put it on your own board, which is when it's a stock, and that yeah. will sort of track the price. So your board will, you put it on zero, and then it's got a whole row at the top with plus numbers, and then a whole row at the bottom with negative numbers. And your token will move there according to how the stock moves. Right, yeah. Okay. And then after that, um, basically once all the tokens have been taken... Where your pawns are now will be the turn order for the next round. And then you'll line the tokens up on the other side of that board. Yes. So you're thinking about what color token you want. You're also thinking about what 
turn order you want. Yes. So you have to buy one stock and build one track every round. You can't buy two stocks. You get one of each action. Yeah, you've got two actions and you're going to do one them each once. Exactly. Round. Yeah. So the other option you have is you take that token and you place it on the board. So each board will have a starting location. So it will start with one token on the map in each little corner uh, for each color. And then what happens is you place your token on one of those locations and you cover up those dots. Yes. So if it's white dots, it moves up. If it's red dots, that's like a mountain pass or something like that. And the stock moves down. Yes. But it moves down for everyone. So if I have a white stock on my board and it's currently on one and you put a white token on a red two dot space, then my stocks will go down two. So I'll yes. end up on minus one. Yeah. So that is the basic flow of the game. But there's one really, really huge niggle in this game, and it sort of drives the whole system, in that at the end of every single round, one token will be left over. Yeah, there's one color yeah, token left over. There's one color left over. And that will slide to the bottom of the board and stay there. And that color is considered, colored company is considered to be taxed. Yes. Which sounds negative, but actually it's exactly what you want. Yeah. So what that means is if a company is taxed at the end of the game, all your positive scores for that color will count. Yeah. You'll count those points. And all your negative colors will actually be removed from the board and won't count against you. Yes. So if a company is taxed, it's impossible to lose points on it. Right, yeah. If your company is not taxed, all your negatives will stay and all your positives will go. Yes. So it's impossible to make points, but you can <laughs> lose points. Yes. Which is really interesting because this game's played over six rounds. Yep. So if yellow, if the yellow company becomes taxed in the first round, then yellow suddenly goes way up in value. Yeah, yellow is always a safe kind of buy because you can never screw up buying yellow. Yes. I mean, you can screw up strategically, but you're never going to be punished for it. Yeah, you're never going to lose points on yellow. Yeah. But this is where this game always gets interesting, right? It's because it's only a certain number of tokens. Mm. And so if you can look at the layout of the board and you can see which companies are kind of looking good. Right. Like the blue company is surrounded by white locations. There's nothing red. So blue's mostly going to go up. Then so you think blue's great. So you buy a blue stock. Someone else buys a blue yeah. stock. <laughs> someone else buys a blue stock. And then it never gets taxed. Yes. Someone else buys it and they want to pump it up. So then they build blue track or you want to build blue track but if you build blue track to raise your stock price you're also decreasing the chance of it getting taxed of it yeah. getting taxed yeah and that's where that game gets very very interesting yes um yeah the other thing that i think is is interesting to mention is that the the stock prices move individually for each player so it's kind of like you can you can just think of it as like a delta to your stock price like you always buy it at value zero and then it either goes up or down one or two or three at a time and so on and and everyone depending on when they buy like if i bought yellow in the first round and mine's value at one now you buy yellow now and it's valued at zero um, and then yellow moves up three for everyone. Mine will be valued four and yours will be valued three. So so it's kind of like a, a delta change when the stock price moves up and down. So it's not a fixed stock price for everyone at the end of the game. Right. And essentially, the way it's different from 18xx, instead of tracking the stock price overall, it actually just tracks each player's individual profits yeah, from exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So you can, you can look at other players' boards and see what discs they value, which ones they want to get taxed, and you can kind of play on that as well sometimes you take a disc not because you really want it just because if it gets taxed everyone else scores a lot so you're trying to avoid it getting taxed 
Absolutely, yeah. So you can almost take or build a stock. You can actually build a stock and raise it, mm. but you can do that aggressively. Yes, yeah. You can do it so that it doesn't get taxed. Yeah. And there's a fixed number of every color in the game, so you can count all the tokens in the game very easily and see how many are actually left. Yeah, you know how many are left. So they, I don't know if we said, but they get randomly drawn each round from a bag. Um, but there's a, the same amount of each color in the bag, so you know how many are still left in the bag. And every token will come out. They will all come out. Yeah, that's basically the end game trigger. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff to consider. If, for example, red, you know there's only two tokens that have come out for red and there's two rounds left. Red is a pretty safe buy. Yes. Because you know the likelihood of it getting taxed is actually huge because there's going to be five tokens each time in the last two rounds. Yes. Yeah. And you can think, sure, well, I mean, it's not going to... Yeah, depending on the number of players, not everyone will be able to utilize a red token, so it will there will be at least one remaining and it'll get taxed, yeah. Yeah, so it's not just about picking the best stocks, it's also about, like you say, mm. if we both have one white stock, uh, raising it up doesn't really help me that much. Yes. Or if everyone has one white stock. Yes. So oftentimes you'll engineer situations. So for example, what you might do is you've got a white stock and I build white on red mm. and then buy it. Yeah. So now my stock is starting on zero and yours is on minus two. Yes. Yeah. So now for the rest of the game, I know that you want to raise the value of white, mm. but I'm always going to be ahead of you. Yeah, you'll do. always be three ahead of me. And another interesting thing you can do is to buy uh, two of the same stock when everyone else has one. Then whenever it gets raised, you score double, you gain double. Of that. Yeah, and yeah. whenever someone has double of any of stock, it's incredibly dangerous. Yes, because yeah. this is a game where frequently the winner might win with three points. Yes, <laughs> and they, I think we've had some pretty low-scoring games, and I think it's pretty well not unusual for the winner to have a negative score in that. Game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. and and what's interesting is that I find that your scores will very seldom be the same. Yeah. Because the way the board is totally differently set up, you'll get some very hostile boards. Yes. You'll get some that are great and everyone's got positive scores. You'll get mm. some where it's a struggle, everyone's negative. Mm. So my top score for this game is 25. Okay. That's the highest score I've logged according to this stats right. app. Okay. But we've definitely had games where people have won with minus one. Yes. And yeah. it's not because I played out of my mind. It's because the board was a lot friendlier. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the top score that I had was 25. I don't know what the lowest winning one was. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to see. That'll be interesting to see. So I could probably mention in the meantime, this game plays three to five players. Yes. Um, I've played all player counts and all of them were, were pretty fun. So it changes a little bit with three players in that the, the beginning of the game fills up the board a little bit more. So there'll be three tokens on the board. Um, the companies all start in sort of a different side of this hexagon. Yeah, each company starts, starts on one side and then they kind of develop out from there. So another aspect of it is that it's very much possible to totally shut a company out. If mm. you build across the map, you can make it so that the white company, for example, can get cut off and it literally has nowhere else to build because each token you lay down has to connect to its existing network. So it has to be touching. Yeah, or, or you can also force a company to have the only tiles that are available they can build on are negative ones. Um, yes. So you can kind of squeeze them in a negative direction as well. Yeah, so that board evaluation is pretty pretty important. Yeah. Because sometimes a company will literally be surrounded by red areas. And then you know that eh, 
it's pretty much useless. Yes, it's never really yeah. going to get anywhere. Yeah. Or someone can can build through the red areas without buying any stock till it gets to the white positive areas and then buy stock. So yeah, there's a lot you can do. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting because oftentimes you will lay a token in a red area, but it opens up a big three dot white area. Yes. Yeah. So you can that's when you can kind of manipulate it where you sort of cover up the red area mm. and then buy the stock. So now you set yeah. it up to be good. Yeah. So you start at zero. Everyone else who had it is already negative. So yeah, that's a big bonus for you. Yeah. yeah so there's this there's a single white location directly in the center of the board that has five white dots. Mm, yeah and that's the one that that you can fight over yes everyone is kind of like working from the borders the outside of the of the board to the to the center where the big five pointer is now and i'd say most games that dot gets covered up by someone i think so yeah i think most games someone gets it yes but there's a there's an interesting aspect to this game i feel like there's a little bit of um almost like playing the table a little bit you don't want to appear too threatening as soon as someone's like that guy's got two blue stocks <laughs> you know yeah. and, and look it's surrounded by white dots and everyone's like we can't let blue get taxed we can't let blue get taxed yes you know? yeah people kind of gang up on you then you know yeah so you have to almost try and be a little bit low-key sometimes or try and point out what other people are doing <laughs> You know, I mean, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a core part of the game, but it certainly can be a part of the game. Yeah, it can be very mean. It can be very mean, just like an 18xx, it can be super mean, yes. Yeah, and you you kind of want to sometimes not let people realize that you're about to score seven points yes, or something. Yeah, or, or you just wangle the player order so that there's nothing they can do about it. Well, that's that's a big thing, right? And mm. manipulating that player order is is pretty huge. Yes. And it can very much influence your decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What can be particularly powerful is if you give yourself two actions in a row. Yes. Yeah. Because that allows you to do stuff like, um, yeah, to basically dump the stock down and then buy it. Mm. Those sorts of like double actions can be very, very powerful. Yes. Yeah. I always think some of the most powerful ones are the person who acts first. The person who acts last as well. Yeah, the person who acts last can often decide which color is going to be taxed, which can also be very powerful. Yeah. They always basically decide which color is going to be taxed yeah. because they have the last choice, unless it's two of the same color. Yeah, so somewhere it could play out where it's not really a choice because it's two of the same color or it's one of them has already been taxed. and So it's it's possible for a color to move to the bottom of the board and kind of be in the taxed area twice but that doesn't mean anything it still gets ta- either right. taxed or not so you get situations where there will always be at least one i think that doesn't get taxed is that true i can't remember i think that potentially i think there's six companies in six rounds so i think potentially they could all get taxed but oh really i've never seen it happen no i'm not sure i kind of thought there was always one that won't be taxed but i could be wrong about that but if there's a double double in the tax area then definitely something is not going to get i could taxed. be wrong there could be five rounds i could be getting that wrong um yeah i'm not sure or there could be yeah i can't remember could be five rounds i don't know but it, i've never seen it happen regardless because always you'll end up with like three yellow tokens down there or something yeah there's always at least one or two i think there's always like two or three probably that don't get taxed yeah because essentially what happens i mean if one of them's already been taxed and you're going last and you get to choose mm. if you are not interested in that other one it's very easy to just screw over everyone who is and say yes. oh, just tax yellow again yeah yeah exactly yeah 
Yeah, so I, I think it's very clever. I think it's a very, very clever it game. It is a very clever game. It's very quick to play. We often play two or three games in a row when we play it. Uh, we often play it as a kind of fuller at the end of a, a gaming evening. Um, yeah, and then, like I said, so often we play two or three games in a row. Yeah, super quick, very simple to teach, very quick to learn, but the the meanness is is there, and it can it can be quite strategic as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I think there's there's an element of sometimes you can feel a little bit like things are out of your control. Mm. But the more I play it, the more that feeling diminishes. Yes, I often feel like. It's there's a lot of stuff to consider. Yeah. And sometimes if you get too tunnel vision, if you think like I'm just gonna buy this stock and pump this stock and this one looks great, there's a lot more to consider. Yes. I find counting the tokens is really important, reading the map is very important, yes. focusing on what other people have is very important, manipulating turn order. So it's one of those games where you have two very simple actions. Yes. But it's sort of multi-layered in terms of all the different things you have to consider when you take those actions. Yeah, exactly. It seems very simple on the surface, but when playing it, you actually very quickly realize there's a lot of depth to it. Yeah, yeah and I think very underrated and not a very well-known game at all. No, it's not super well-known, I don't think. I think because it's sort of a, a weird publisher. I don't know if it has much of a wide release. I mean, I don't even know if you can find it on Amazon and stuff like that. I haven't checked I haven't checked, but I would actually be surprised if you don't. It's just not one of those things left, like the Dice Tower reviews or something like that. I don't. Yeah, think Yeah, but so. I, I don't know because you get stuff like those Oink games and stuff like that as well that are that Japanese publisher, and they also can be quite hard to track down. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, or quite expensive for what they are as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But this game isn't. I don't think they had another game that that did quite well, which was Tulip Bubble, which got a little bit of press. People talked about that one a little bit. I haven't oh, played that okay. one. It doesn't have trains in it, so I mean... <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> yeah, what are we even doing here? Where's the stock market? <laughs> well, Tulip Bubble will surely have a stock market. Yeah, so. I feel like it's got something like that. Yeah. It, it is about the, the, the Tulip Bubble. Yes, um, yeah. And I think there is some sort of game end trigger, basically, when the bubble bursts, the game is over. <laughs> All the tulips wilt. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like it might have some level of an economic feel to it. So. It must. It must do. I think it's Rudy about has the bubble. It. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah, I mean, Rudy has every game that's ever been printed. So <laughs> I think I think it's it, in there somewhere. I think it falls under that category. No, but I have actually seen it there, and I keep wanting to tell him. Oh, okay. Pest him that we must give it a try. Yeah. But I think very underrated because I think it's actually very accessible. I mean, in terms of a rule teach. Oh, it's so simple. There's two actions. Yeah. And then by playing it, you realize oh, it's not that simple, but it's like teaching wise, it's very simple. I, I, I think this is the type of game you could play like with the in-laws. You know what I mean? Oh, it's yeah. like one of those. You can play this with the same kind of people that you'd play like Ticket to Ride with. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's legitimately close to that simple in terms of rules. And it's also over so quickly. So... It doesn't matter that people only realize during the first play that there's a little more depth to it. They'll play again. <laughs> it does have that that feeling though. Yeah, I think people time oftentimes when people play it the first time, they kind of get crushed and they make a hundred mistakes and they're like, okay, no, we're playing this again. <laughs> yes, I don't think I've ever taught it to someone and they didn't want to play it again immediately. I think every time I've taught it to someone, they like after the first game, they're like, let's go again. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right about that. Yes. I think I've had the same experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very cool little game. Mini Rails, I don't know. I, I just think that if you like 18xx, it's 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 a pretty good distillation. I mean, 
look, we're not going to pretend it has anywhere near that level of like depth and experience and complexity or whatever. But no, I, I think it set out to do what it wanted to do. And I think it did it well. Yeah, very well. Which was to really, really miniaturize that experience into basically a filler. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like half an hour or less. Yeah. Mm. And nice components as well. Very nice. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very nice insert. The whole thing just feels like a really nice... I mean, even the box art and everything is actually really nice. The whole thing feels quite, I don't know, quite like premium and like a nice package. And Yeah, it does, yeah. Yeah, even the tiles are quite pretty. They've got terrain and stuff painted on them and it, it looks Ooh, pretty good. you're turning off 18xxs now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, guys. It's very utilitarian. You can see all the dots very clearly. <laughs> no, it's true. Whoa, what was I thinking? <laughs> My bad. Ignore I said that. The game looks like crap. <laughs> it's all just straight lines. <laughs> no, it is pretty, but it is functional as well. It's very, very clear. Every single little tile on the board has a circle in the middle with whether it's a, it takes the score up or down is red or white. And yeah, just the dots, like you say, it's very clear, very simple to see. It's a very cool game. I don't know what year it came out. Oh, I want to say like 2017. Uh, let me see if I can see that. Yeah, 2017, according to BGG. Okay, yeah. And it gets a, a weighty 2.21 rating mm. on BGG. They say the playtime is 40 to 60 minutes, but maybe the first play. Oh, that's what the box says. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, in my experience, I'd say definitely 40 minutes sort of the the cap for that yes yeah but i suppose if you wanted to go into ap land (laughs) i suppose that you could yeah that's true we've had some rounds take a little bit longer because someone has a tough decision which is great because it's the kind of game that that actually gives you those tough decisions yes yeah it does yeah i think in terms of what would you do you have any negatives about the game anything you think is not great no i i really don't no, I don't think so. It's it's over so quickly anyway that... Well, I think that's the thing. I think my only negative would be is that you can know four or five rounds in that, that you have no chance. Yeah. I, I think the last... I'd say like the last round or two, you don't necessarily know who's won, but you can definitely know that you've lost. Mm. Yes, I can see that, yeah. Which I suppose could, in the wrong group, have some kind of a, I guess, like a king-making element. Like someone could set out just to screw someone else over. Mm, it could potentially, yeah. We but I think a lot that. of games are like that where you kind of have to act in the spirit of the game. Yes, yeah. You know, we, we as a rule, generally don't king-make at all. No. Um, we relentlessly shamed the person the one time it did happen. Oh, yes. <laughs> in that, that game of fabled fruit that we yes. will never discuss again. But... <laughs> But we tend to basically, no matter whether we're coming last or first, we are always basically just trying to improve our own score. Yes, that's right. And I think most games function on that principle, right? Like Mm. you should just be doing whatever you can to improve your own score as much as possible. But you certainly can in this game know that you've lost. And I think you can go into the last round also kind of knowing someone's won. Yes, potentially are. Which can be a little bit anticlimactic, but like you say, the whole thing takes 30 minutes. So yeah, it's over so quickly. The last it's... round is a few minutes, so you don't have to sit there and suffer through a four-hour game no. knowing that you're toast. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter too much because it's over so quickly. Yeah, yeah so I think that would kind of be my only negative. I guess the only other one is that I think that you can sometimes have a little bit or feel like you have a little bit less control 
than you do in 18xx. I think sometimes you are kind of at the mercy of the players doing the things that you want them to do. Yeah, but that's also down to turn order, I think. Like one, yeah. one round you would have this amazing action but it uh, puts you last in the turn order for the next round so i don't think you can really blame the game yeah i think it's one of those games that that almost functions better if everyone is playing well Mm. to some extent because sometimes but you can also tell people that as well if you want to (laughs) yeah you know because sometimes you and another player are both invested in the same stock and they want to like but you're like no we need this to get taxed like stop it yes stop it (laughs) but you can kind of tell them that you can kind of say like look if you do that it's not going to get taxed yeah so you can be very selective in in the advice that you give (laughs) yes when it benefits you you, you're very helpful (laughs) but you can also take advantage of that if we're both invested in red for example and i'm acting before you i can take the second last red um disc knowing that you'll be forced to get a tax because we both invested in it oh so. yes absolutely yeah. yeah and that's when you can kind of i think that's when people start shouting down people the most like what are you doing you need to get a tax i'm like well you can leave it to get yeah, tax. exactly <laughs> yeah so i think there's definitely an element of that but ah, uh, it's one of those things i look i haven't actually played it with anyone i don't think i've played it with anyone who hasn't liked it yet no i definitely haven't and i've shown it to a lot of different people mm. i mean i know i brought it to our group and then the next day i think like three copies were we all <laughs> ordered it yes yeah yeah which is which is always a good sign but i think it's that kind of thing where there's something very appealing about the combination of a very nice package yeah. in a small little box that plays quickly that's extremely accessible rules wise mm. but has like crunchiness and depth to it yes it's yeah. a really it's that is always i think like a sweet spot yes because yeah. you feel like i can play this with anyone yeah it's so quick and it's so easy to teach but yeah. there's a brain burn in it and it feels great exactly yeah there's always it's always nice to have a couple of those games in your collection yeah so yeah i think everyone i've played it with has really enjoyed it and we've all laughed at kind of the brutality of it because yes. it is kind of funny when someone ends up on minus nine or <laughs> whatever yeah. and i think the game's short enough that even for that person you can kind of laugh about it oh yeah it doesn't matter like let's just play it <laughs> yeah exactly and i think that is in its favor yes yeah if you're playing a six hour game of twilight imperium and you're getting absolutely destroyed after the first hour oh that's no fun because you know there's like three hours left or something yeah Uh, exactly uh, and it can feel pretty bad but this game is pretty cool because it can be brutal and you can make horrible mistakes and get badly crushed but you're like okay well yeah the pain will stop soon (laughs) yes yeah yeah so i think we can we can give mini rails a solid recommendation i think that's why we wanted to chat about it i think because it's relatively not well known yeah and And it's got some similarities to 18xx i mean not obviously not a lot but uh, there's the stock there's the meanness so, yeah. yeah i mean it's basically you're buying stock and laying track mm. but that's all you're doing yes yeah. but there's there's a few little niggles that are that are quite interesting like yeah. the turn order manipulation the taxing thing so it's not just a distilled 18xx experience it actually has a lot of its own charm and mm. its own twists as yes. well yeah but i think if you are an 18xxer a train gamer just someone who likes meaty fillers mm. Yeah, I think it's a good way to end off. Yes, end give off it a try. Yeah. Do you have anything else you'd like to say about Mini Rails? Um, no, I don't think so. We should play it again, though. <laughs> yeah, I think we say that about every game we talk We do, about, yeah. every time we talk about a game. Because we only talk about games we like so far. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I wonder if one of these days we're going to play an 18xx that we hate. I wonder uh, if we'll come across one that we like. Let's not play that again. <laughs> yeah, I guess it would happen. But I think that it's probably... 
I don't know. You know what? I think it's like everything, right? When I first played board games in mm. general, oh. I loved everything. Yeah, because it was all new and... It was all new. It was all great. Mm. You know, I went and I played... I remember going to one of those game days, those timeless board game game days, and everything I played, I was just like, I love this. Except yes. this weird game called Elysium, which I really didn't like at all. Oh, okay. Even though I won, I was like, oh, that was crap. But, then, <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, everything I played, I loved. And I feel like mm. now I'm much more of a snob. Yes. Yeah. Like this game drags. This yeah. game has a crappy combat system. <laughs> you know, and I think that's like that with everything. The deeper invested you get in something, the more mm. you understand the workings of something you just tend to become a bit more of an elitist, I suppose. Yeah, I don't think it's really elitist. It's just, if you know what you like, why not? As long as it keeps being fun, do that again. Why not? Yeah, I guess if you've never had cake before, any cake is pretty good. Yes. But if you've yeah. eaten cake your whole life, then you're like, oh, I'm not really a big fan of chocolate cake. Yeah. I no, Well, not chocolate. That's a bad example. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible example. <laughs> yeah, I should have gone with like baked cheesecake or something. Oh, what? Controversial. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, Fred. You're what is what is your least favorite cake? What what can I, uh, what can I not offend Something, you with? A fruit cake. <laughs> <laughs> That's not really a cake, though. So I don't know if that counts. Maybe not. No. Yeah, it's just like a giant muffin. <laughs> A big flat round muffin. Yes. I mean, the fruitcake keeps for like three years, which I feel like is just, there's something wrong there. You could build your house out of it, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's weird. You know, like people eat their wedding cake when wedding cakes used to always be fruitcake. They'd yes. eat it on their one year anniversary. Yes. Yeah. Like, I've just... heard of people doing that. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's not, not right. right. No. Yeah. <laughs> there's no. something wrong there. You shouldn't be able to eat a cake a year later and have it still taste the same. No. <laughs> I don't mind fruitcake, but yeah. Oh. Goodness, okay. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. We're getting off track. (laughs) Way off track. Yeah, okay. Well, if you would like to reach out to us in any way, you can find us in a few places. So we have a email address, derailed18xx at gmail.com. And Instagram. Yeah, the same, derailed18xx. Twitter at derailed18xx. Please reach out to us. Send us some questions or suggestions or... Yeah, actually suggestions would be great as well. Yeah, yeah. Or tell us what we're missing yeah. <laughs> strategy-wise. <laughs> or just, 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 just send us something to rant about just how terrible me. we are. Tell me on Instagram, then Chris won't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're going to force me to create an Instagram account. <laughs> oh, well, man. You should. Yeah, you you say I should. And then six months down the line, I'm posting bathroom selfies and picture of my fruitcakes and stuff. And you're like, oh my Fruit God, what pictures, have I done? Oh, no. oh man. <laughs> you might regret this. Yeah, I might. But, <laughs> but yeah, thanks for tuning in. I hope you found that interesting. I yes. hope you managed to play mini rails. Um, I think that if you're listening to this podcast, I would say that there's certainly a good chance you would enjoy it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Cool. So thanks cool. a lot. See you next time. Okay. Cheers. Cheers.